Section six of Fantasy, Fairies and Ghosts by Various. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Carasoin, Chapter Two, The Fairy Fleet. The bed was about a couple of yards from the edge of the brook, and as Colin was always first up in the morning, he slept at the front of the bed. So he lay for some time, gazing at the faint glimmer of the water in the dull red light from the sod-covered fire, and listening to its sweet music as it hurried through to the night again, till its murmur changed into a lullaby and sung him fast asleep. Soon he found that he was coming awake again. He was lying listening to the sound of the busy stream, but it had gathered more sounds since he went to sleep amongst the rest, one of the boards knocking together, and a tiny chattering and sweet laughter, like the tinkling of heather bells. He opened his eyes. The moon was shining along the brook, lighting the smoky rafters above with its reflection from the water, which had been dammed back at its outlet from the cottage, so that it lay bank full and level with the floor. But its surface was hardly to be seen, save by an occasional glimmer, for the crowded boats of a fairy fleet which had just arrived. The sailors were as busy as sailors could be, mooring along the banks or running their boats high and dry on the shore. Some had little sails which glimmered white in the moonshine, half lowered, or blowing out in the light breeze that crept down the course of the stream. Some were pulling about through the rest, oars flashing, tiny voices calling, tiny feet running, tiny hands hauling at ropes that ran through blocks of shining ivory. On the shore stood groups of fairy ladies in all colours of the rainbow, green predominating, waited upon by gentlemen all in green, but with red and yellow feathers in their caps. The queen had landed on the side next to Colin, and in a few minutes, Twenty dances were going at once along the shores of the fairy river, and there lay great Colin's face, just above the bedclothes, glowering at them like an ogre. At last, after a few dances, he heard a clear, sweet, ringing voice say, I've had enough of this. I'm tired of doing like the big people. Let's have a game of hay cockalorum jig. That instant every group sprang asunder, and every fairy began a frolic on his own account. They scattered all over the cottage, and Colin lost sight of most of them. While he lay watching the antics of two of those near him, who behaved more like clowns at a fair than the gentlemen they had been a little while before, he heard a voice close to his ear, but though he looked everywhere about his pillow, he could see nothing. The voice stopped the moment he began to look, but began again as soon as he gave it up. You can't see me. I'm talking to you through a hole in the head of your bed. Don't look, said the voice. If the queen sees me, I shall be pinched. Oh, please don't. The voice sounded as if its owner would cry presently. So Colin took great care not to look. It went on. Please, I am a little girl, not a fairy. 
The Queen stole me the minute I was born, seven years ago, and I can't get away. I don't like the fairies. They are so silly, and they never grow any wiser. I grow wiser every year. I want to get back to my own people. They won't let me. They make me play at being somebody else all night long and sleep all day. That's what they do themselves, and I should so like to be myself. The Queen says that's not the way to be happy at all, but I do want very much to be a little girl. Do take me. How am I to get you? asked Colin in a whisper, which sounded, after the sweet voice of the changeling, like the wind in a field of dry beans. The Queen is so pleased with you that she is sure to offer you something. Choose me. Here she comes. Immediately he heard another voice, shriller and stronger, in front of him, and looking about, saw standing on the edge of the bed a lovely little creature, with a crown glittering with jewels and a rush for a sceptre in her hand, the blossom of which shone like a bunch of garnets. "'You great staring creature,' she said. "'Your eyes are much too big to see with. "'What clumsy hobgoblins you thick folk are!' "'So saying, she laid her wand across Colin's eyes. "'Now then, stupid,' she said, "'and that instant Colin saw the room like a huge barn, "'full of creatures about two feet high.' The beams overhead were crowded with fairies, playing all imaginable tricks, scrambling everywhere, knocking each other over, throwing dust and soot in each other's faces, grinning from behind corners, dropping on each other's necks and tripping up each other's heels. Two had got hold of an empty eggshell, and coming behind one sitting on the edge of the table and laughing at someone on the floor, tumbled it right over him, so that he was lost in the cavernous hollow. But the lady fairies mingled in none of these rough pranks. Their tricks were always graceful, and they had more to say than to do. But the moment the queen had laid her wand across his eyes, she went on. No, son of a human mortal, that thou hast pleased a queen of the fairies. Lady, as I am over the elements, I cannot have everything I desire, one thing thou hast given me. Years have I longed for a path down this rivulet to the ocean below. Your horrid farmyard, ever since your great-grandfather built this cottage, was the one obstacle. For we fairies hate dirt, not only in houses but in fields and woods as well, and above all in running streams. But I can't talk like this any longer. I tell you what. You are a dear good boy, and you shall have what you please. Ask me for anything you like. May it please your majesty, said Colin, very deliberately. I want a little girl that you carried away some seven years ago the moment she was born. May it please your majesty. I want her. It does not please my majesty, cried the queen, whose face had been growing very black. Ask for something else. 
Then whether it pleases your majesty or not, said Colin bravely, I hold your majesty to your word. I want that little girl, and that little girl I will have and nothing else. You dare to talk so to me, you thick? Yes, your majesty. Then you shan't have her. Then I'll turn the brook right through the dunghill, said Colin. Do you think I'll let you come into my cottage to play at hijinks when you please, if you behave to me like this? And Colin sat up in bed and looked the queen in the face. And as he did so, he caught sight of the loveliest little creature peeping round the corner at the foot of the bed. And he knew she was the little girl because she was quiet and looked frightened and was sucking her thumb. Then the queen, seeing with whom she had to deal, and knowing that queens in fairyland are bound by their word, began to try another plan with him. She put on her sweetest manner and looks, and as she did so, the little face at the foot of the bed grew more troubled, and the little head shook itself, and the little thumb dropped out of the little mouth. Dear Colin, said the queen, you shall have the girl, but you must do something for me first. The little girl shook her head as fast as ever she could, but Colin was taken up with the queen. To be sure I will, what is it, he said. And so he was bound by a new bargain, and was in the queen's power. You must fetch me a bottle of carasoin, said she. What is that? asked Colin. A kind of wine that makes people happy. Why, are you not happy already? No, Colin, answered the queen with a sigh. You have everything you want, except the carasoin, returned the queen. You do whatever you like and go wherever you please. That's just it. I want something that I neither like nor please that I don't know anything about. I want a bottle of carasoin. And here she cried like a spoilt child, not like a sorrowful woman. But how am I to get it? I don't know. You must find out. Oh, that's not fair, cried Colin. But the queen burst into a fit of laughter that sounded like the bells of a hundred frolicking sheep, and bounding away to the side of the river, jumped on board of her boat, and like a swarm of bees gathered the courtiers and sailors. Two creeping out of the bellows, one at the nozzle and the other at the valve, three out of the basket hilt of the broadsword on the wall, six all white out of the meal-tub, and so from all parts of the cottage to the riverside. And amongst them Colin spied the little girl creeping on board the queen's boat, with her pinafore to her eyes, and the queen was shaking her fist at her. In five minutes more they had all scrambled into the boats, and the whole fleet was in motion down the stream. In another moment the cottage was empty, and everything had returned to its usual size. They'll be all dashed to pieces on the rocks, cried Colin, jumping up and running into the garden. When he reached the fall, there was nothing to be seen, 
but the swift plunge and rush of the broken water in the moonlight. He thought he heard cries and shouts coming up from below, and fancied he could distinguish the sobs of the little maiden whom he had so foolishly lost. But the sounds might be only those of the water, for to the different voices of a running stream there is no end. He followed its course all the way to its old channel, but saw nothing to indicate any disaster. Then he crept back to his bed, where he lay thinking what a fool he had been, till he cried himself to sleep over the little girl who would never grow into a woman. End of section 6